Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Abricularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Libro Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libro Cubicalist. Today, my friends, is Movie Monday. Move over Monday, it's Movie Monday which is similar to movies and similar to Monday in that I say both words and indicate that I will talk of those things. Well, I won't really talk of Mondays. Oh, boy. Really should not have tried to explain that because it is defying my explanation. Something I like to say at the top of every show that I do believe is very, very uh, very important on a movie Monday in particular is that there will be spoilers, folks, please, 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 take heed of this warning, because it is most likely your only warning. Sometimes I will throw an additional spoiler warning, but do not count on that. Count on this to be your one and only. Another thing I enjoy saying, so as to grow audiences things, is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. <laughs> uh, no. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes, as that is what helps others find the podcast. Thank you for those who have done so very, very, very much appreciated. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business. And it is a business, is it not? you got to make some some of the green. Yeah, money. Because money makes the world go round. Uh, today's sponsor is what I was indicating with that voice. Mm-hmm. Today's sponsor is the Kryptonian Electromagnetic Ferrofluoride Three-Dimensional Computer Monitor. Once again, today's sponsor is the Kryptonian Electromagnetic Ferrofluoride Three-Dimensional Computer Monitor. That is a mouthful, and that is the sponsor for this episode, this Movie Monday episode, in which I have for you for your listening pleasure, question mark, three movies, including movie the first, which is called Man of Steel. Yeah. This is the Superman movie. The remake of a remake of a remake, it feels. My first thought on this movie was sort of my first thought on my, on the most recent Spider-Man remake. Almost exactly. In fact, yes, exactly. My first thought was Does this movie need to exist? (laughs) Uh, I think the short answer is no, unfortunately. The longer answer I'm going to go into right now. Yeah. Okay, let let me phrase it like this. If you have never seen a Superman movie ever and don't know Superman's origin story, then uh, sure, watch this movie. You, You will probably enjoy it. If you are a huge, huge, huge Superman fan and see everything related to Superman, uh, as I do, then you will also enjoy it. However, 
if you just kind of like Superman and already know his origin story, then there's no reason for you to watch this movie. So, which is very, very similar to the remake of the Spider-Man movie. Both movies are good, but they're both so been done before that it's, I don't get it. I don't know why it exists. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I'm not sure if this would work for all remakes, but what I think would easily work for remakes of superhero franchises is don't, every single time you remake it, tell the origin story. It just doesn't make sense. We all know the origin story of Spider-Man, bit by Radioactive Spider. We all know the origin story of Superman from another planet. Blah, 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 blah. Everyone knows that. Everyone who knows of Superman and Spider-Man knows how they are Superman and Spider-Man. So, use the first five minutes. Hell, use the opening credits to explain the origin story. Don't use the entire movie for your origin story. Use the remainder of the movie to tell a new and exciting and story that could take place in this realm of possibilities. Do like uh, the Avengers. The Avengers, totally new story that had not existed before Joss Whedon wrote it. So uh, that is, I think, the best way to go about it and wish this movie had have done so. That being said, it's not a bad Superman movie by any means. I did enjoy it. I think I would, as you probably know, I use my ratings of 3 out of 5 for enjoyed while watching but would not watch again. I think I'd probably go 3, maybe 4 on a good day. Yeah, so if I really, really, really want to watch something Superman-related, then I'd give it a 4. On your average day, give it a 3 out of 5, okay? Uh, this movie did something a little different that uh, I liked. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say I liked. And that was focused a lot on sort of Krypton and what happened there and how shit went down. Which usually when you're talking Superman, there's, there's not too much focus on that, so... Uh, so I like that. It was like a, a little a little different peek behind the scenes of before shit started happening. Which was important because the bad guys are in the form of General Zod, played by Michael Shannon, played by, played to, I mean, uh, perfection. He is just friggin' spot on in this role. He is General Zod. I, I bet... I am not alone in thinking that he is perhaps even better than the original General Zod from the Christopher Reeves. He's just very, very good. One of the highlights of this movie. And I think that's why it does even as well as it does, because your superhero is only as good as his bad guys. And uh, General Zod is a good is a good. I think what makes him good is that he thinks and believes that he is doing right. Uh, and that's always good in a bad guy. A bad guy who knows he's doing bad is sort of one-dimensional, whereas he thinks he's he's doing good to save the Kryptonian peoples and what have you. So I won't go into too much detail because it's, you know, stories, origins. Mm. Russell Crowe plays Kal-El, who is Superman's biological father, and they do some cool things which mean that although he is dead, he's actually in a fair bit of this movie through sort of uh, computery science-y things. Let's just boil it down to that, which is, a, which is a cool idea. His father, adoptive father, 
played by uh, by Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Uh, I'm a big Kevin Costner fan. Um, had a his role in this wasn't very large. Lois Lane. Uh, I forget the girl who plays her and did not write it down as the name curse has prevented me from doing so once again. Ha. Huh. She's a good Lois Lane, sure. No, uh, no complaints on that end. The story involves Superman not knowing who he is, and then sort of repeatedly being thrown into situations where he has to kind of use his powers, despite the fact that he knows if he's caught doing so, the government will want to study and dissect him, and blah, blah, blah. Eventually, he is forced to come forth when General Zod and minions, quite a few minions actually, I do believe in the Christopher Reeve movie it was just General Zod, the big guy, and the girl. Here it's General Zod, the big guy, the girl, and, and a bunch of other Kryptonians. Bad guys. They show up at Earth looking for Kal-El, a.k.a. Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, because sciencey reasons again. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he has to sort of come forth. Some very, very good fight scenes between these Kryptonians and Superman. I will say that the uh, the special effects pretty uh, pretty spot on, and uh, overall a, a decent superhero film. Uh, I think, and I I love Superman. Don't get me wrong, but I think he is a difficult character to make too too interesting. Just in that he's kind of one dimensional. He's kind of just a good guy, and that is his character. So uh, I think it makes it difficult to to make it interesting. Yeah, just as simple as that. Whereas you got, say, Batman, who's trying to do good, but he's very, very dark. And there's, there's many facets of his character. Bruce Wayne, Batman, oozing with almost multiple personality disorder. Uh, so there's him. Then there's, say, like the Flash, who has a bit of a sense of humor to him, which is a, a different character trait, sort of uh, Deadpool, another sort of an example where it's not just a good guy doing good who is a superhero and strong and getting bad guys. For that always kind of feels like that's what Superman is. So, you know, meh. If you love Superman, you'll like this movie. I, I think perhaps that is a good bottom line. Okay, moving on to movie the second. Little film called The Ward. The Ward. Uh, in this case, a mental ward. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I have mentioned this quite a number of times, that whenever something takes place in an asylum, it's usually going to be good. It's almost hard to make something bad, TV show, movie, book, take place in a asylum, mental ward, mental institution, nuthouse, crazy bin, what have you, and have it be bad. This movie comes close to doing that. Um, making it bad. It's still good. It's still good. Um, this is a movie from John Carpenter. John Carpenter, who does good, good, scary movies, so it's got some, some pedigree behind it. It is, I think if you want to boil it down into two words, it is a haunted asylum. Uh, let's do three words. A haunted asylum movie. Which, uh, to me, has a lot of potential, but this kind of didn't follow through too, too much. I'd go the movie as a whole to two to five, the ending three to five. 
Uh, what I decided to do with this ending of this movie is because it is a twist ending, I'm not going to give it away. So just sort of know that. The movie is about, starts off with a woman who apparently is on the run, literally and figuratively on the run. She goes to a house and burns it down and then is recaptured. Recaptured and taken to this insane asylum where she is put in a ward, a.k.a. THE Ward, with a bunch of other crazy broads. So uh, that's good. I like the sort of dynamic between these girls and how they're interact interacting with one another and their various crazinesses. And they're all, uh, you know, easy on the eyes, too. So uh, that's a bit of a bonus. And then, uh, scary shit starts to happen, and then they start dying one by one. Now, the reason that I'm giving this a 2 out of 5, I do believe, is because the scary shit starts to happen, and there's some tenseness, and um, maybe one or two actual scares. But then they do something that I find happens more and more often in horror movies to horror movies' detriment, and that is they show the monster, the bad guy, the whatever, fairly early on, and then from that point on, it's just like, oh, it's this scary mental patient with a fucked-up face who can sort of pop in and out of thin air. Oh, there she is again. Uh, that's what the bad guy is, a former mental patient girl who is all sort of monstered up. Let's, I won't go into details, I will just say she, she's, a little, she's a little on the monstery side, and uh, she will go after these girls one by one and, you know, kill them. For what reason, you might ask? Well, that has a lot to do with the twist ending, which is sort of the only redeeming part of this movie because uh, I did not see the ending coming, and I love it when that happens. I love, that's one of the reasons why I don't like a happy ending, because quite often you are expecting a happy ending. That's why sad ending, usually unexpected, or this, twist ending, uh, equally unexpected. Uh, another shining sort of highlight of this movie for me is the psychiatrist who's looking after these girls, is played by Jared Harris. Jared Harris, I do believe one of those actors who, I didn't know his name. However, if you IMDB and get a look at him, I'm uh, fairly certain, certain, fairly certain, that you will recognize him and potentially, like me, have always enjoyed any movie he's ever been in. He's just very, very good. Oh, I meant to write down some of the other movies he is in, but did not. Well, while you're at IMDB, looking at his face, also look at his movies, why don't you? All the crazy girl actresses are, are uh, competent horror movie act acting nesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one of the funny things for me was that uh, one of the crazy girls, her name was Emily. It has probably maybe once in hundreds of episodes come up that the missus, who I always refer to as the missus, her name is actually Emily. Hmm. So, throughout the movie, whenever uh, Emily of the mental ward was doing mental things, I was sort of uh, drawing parallels to my Emily, to great amusement of myself and great um, annoyance of the missus.
Yay, that. All right, folks, so uh, kind of as I planned, two movies on the way to work, and I will save the last one for my drive home. Uh, why don't I tease it? Although, to tease a movie that, from your point of view, will only be seconds before I start talking about it, makes zero sense. However, for me, it will be about eight hours. So, you know, teasing it for myself, and who doesn't love to tease themselves? Yeah. The movie is The Internship. The Internship. Hmm. Ship full of interns. Yes. No. I will be back in a moment, which of course leaves one final thing to say, and that is... Oh. My. God. Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Hello again. What was that? I don't know. Let's jump right in to our last movie so as to, you know, finish. Finish this baby up. Tie it up in a neat little package and send it off to the world of podcasting hers. Why don't we? The movie in question is called The Internship. The Internship. Yes. Uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was following many, many tropes and formulas of comedies from the 80s, 90s, aughts, and now 10s. Is that, what, is that what decade we're in now? We're in the 10s? See, if you told someone that from, say, the year 30,000, that they're from the 10s, they'd probably assume from, like, the year 10, literally. Unless some sort of crazy thing happens, um, like aliens visit and we change our calendar to count that as year zero. Which brings up the question, how and what would happen in order for human beings as a species to start our calendar afresh at year zero. I'm going to go aliens, the, the proof of aliens, aliens visiting the planet. And maybe not even that. Maybe it would have to be aliens visiting the planet and human beings fighting them off. Yeah. Then we'd go like, yep, the year that happened, year zero. And it'd be very dramatic. Ooh, that's a good movie. Anyways, back to internship. That was a bit of a tangent, but tangents are allowed in the podcasting universe because, hey, we do what we want, us podcasters. This movie stars Vincent Vaughn and Owen Wilson, who uh, I enjoy together. What, uh, they've been together in movies before, no? Pretty sure they have. Uh, they're a good team, a good comedy duo. I do not mind. They play a sort of aging salesman. Salesman in a world where salesmen are not as well needed, let's say. So they lose their job. Their job selling things, in this case watches. Selling watches for a Mr. John Goodman. Uh, as soon as I saw John Goodman on screen in this movie, I says to myself, I says, there's no way this can be a bad movie because John Goodman being in a movie makes it a good movie. So, just period. They lose that job and are sort of 
depressed, down on their luck, Owen Wilson takes a job working for Will Farrow um, at a mattress store. Mm-hmm. Do mattress stores still exist? I suppose they do. But uh, that seems like a horrible, horrible job. Especially when your boss is a douchebag in the form of, in this case, Mr. Will Farrell, who has a... Oh, shit. He's got a neck tattoo, and it's in Sanskrit, and it says... Oh, it was one of the biggest laughs of the movie, what his tattoo said. For me, it, it, probably for most normal human beings, it wouldn't be one of the biggest laugh, laughs of the movie, but for me it was. It was something along the lines of, don't do anything crazy. That's not what it was, but it was along those lines. So a neck tattoo in Sanskrit that said, don't do anything crazy. <laughs> yes, I got a good, a good chuckle out of that one. So that's Owen Wilson. Uh, Vince Vaughn is using his time, his free time now, to search Google for jobs. And it sort of clicks in his brain somehow, some way, that, hey, Google's a company. Not only is it a company, but apparently it is rated the greatest company in all of the United States of America to work. So, hey, why not work there, he says to himself. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's actually not a bad idea. If you're gonna look for a job, why not make the attempt to work at the greatest company to work for? Common sense. Bath-like in its commonness of sense. So he goes over to the mattress store and pulls Owen Wilson out of there. And says, hey, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna be interns at Google. Um... One thing I don't think they've thought through 100% is that a to be an intern at Google means you are not making money. You are an intern. No? Is that not sort of the very definition of internship? Is working to gain experience however you are not making money? Or if you are, it is a pittance? Which I think is kind of a good way to go. There was actually an article in Wired not too, too long ago about uh, apprenticeship and internship, apprenticeship, very, very similar. And uh, I kind of think if you're going to learn and want to learn in a specific career, why not shadow someone who is in that career and learn directly from them? I suppose it means that you will have to know earlier on what you want to do with your life as a career, and that could be goddamn difficult to impossible. So there's that downside. However, if you are set in mind with what you want to do, I think internship and apprenticeship, that's a, probably your best way to go about doing it, no? Yes? Thoughts on that? Audience participation time, folks! If you have an opinion on that matter or any matters I have brought up, please tweet at me. I am Jordan underscore Maywood, or you can email me to the address provided in the closing credits. I would love to hear from you. They head on over to Google, where apparently, and some of the things that happen in this movie, I don't know how realistic they are in the actual, factual, real world, but uh, one of the things that takes place is apparently a shit ton of people will sign up to be Google interns, and that is obvious, it's guaranteed going to happen. However, the way in which they pick from this giant group seems like it may not have a basis in reality, but potentially could. I don't want to be too cynical about the whole 
Schmeal. And that is a sort of co combining almost like a summer camp with having to do various tasks and contests and a kind of a reality show, although I guess not being filmed, but uh, kind of rolling that all into one. And whoever, whichever group that they were broken up into completes these tasks most goodish, most well, uh, gets chosen to be Google interns and moves on to a wonderful career at Google. So, uh, I don't know. Is that possible? It's a way of going about doing things. And the way that Google does things is quite often not your typical company button-down sort of way. So there's potentially truth in this. One of the things that happens early on, and me before I even say this, is a sort of obvious comedy trope thing that's been in a million different movies, is that Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson being sort of, not old, but compared to the other people trying out for these internships, definitely the oldest, their group that they're going to hook up with and complete these tasks are going to be the misfits. Misfits who none of the other groups wanted as part of their group, so they all kind of had to band together. And uh, I like it from the point of view of a band of misfits, the sort of underdogs, which means you're going to root for them, obviously. But, that being said, um, maybe this is more sort of cynicism oozing into me. A band of misfits going against many bands of not misfits probably is not going to win a competition such as this. No, I'm just thinking that is more reality-based. But who needs reality? I am watching movies, watching TV, reading books, playing video games, surfing the weeb in order to escape from reality, so I can suspend my disbelief here with relative ease. The misfits that comprise this group are Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, as the old dudes. Then there's the jerk, which is kind of a weird misfit in a movie such as this. Jerk, who's kind of just always on his phone, bit of a hipstery vibe, um, kind of nothing impresses him, always acting cool. Then there's the mama's boy. Uh, I like this guy. He was like the Korean whose mother had, for all intents and purposes, beaten into him a sense of having to work exceedingly hard at all times and never have fun. That kind of that kind of vibe. Fear of failure to such a degree that he had developed a sort of nervous tick where he would pluck out his eyebrows. The missus, who I watched this movie with, actually knew the clinical term for this disease. Um, I didn't write it down. I don't remember what it is. But she kind of like, what? How the fuck do you know that? And it was from that uh, television show, My Strange Addiction, which I know I brought back on a TV Tuesday quite a while ago. Then there was the nerd. Mm -hmm. Just sort of, not even nerd, because everyone applying for these positions are all sort of nerdy to degree or another, but nerdy to a comical uber degree, and that's sort of maybe more leaning geeky in regards to his uh, human interactions with others in that he is not good at doing that. He actually worked for Google 
and uh, was put in charge of this particular group. And then lastly, uh, a girl. <laughs> yeah, lastly, the girl. Um, mm -hmm. No, <laughs> it, it wasn't exactly that. That was kind of her... That wasn't her misfitness, was being a girl. It was... Uh, I, I'm going to call her the pretender. Pretender in that she pretended to be hot shit, but was actually cold diarrhea. Yeah, kind of. Like, pretending she's kind of cool and very sexualized, and uh, I, I think that may be the underlying characteristic. She's very sexualized, but uh, in actuality was a virgin, and we kind of learn along the way has no experience with anything such as that. Which leads us to Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn interacting with these other outcasts, kind of breaking them out of their shells and growing them as human beings. And another very, very extremely typical uh, trope and something that comedy movies will do just about all of the time, and that is Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson and this group of misfits at first do not get along at all. Alright? That's going to happen. Just like in, if you listened to last movie Monday, in fact, uh, Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCartney, just how they, at first, didn't get along at all. Hmm. And then, eventually, they sort of work together and come to a mutual respect and admiration and are getting along well. In this movie, yes. In the heat of last movie Monday, yes. Then, something will happen that will cause friction and between the group or the individuals the group in this movie, the individuals in the heat, and they will hate one another, or one of them will be hated by the other, and they'll fall apart. Oh man. And then, right near the end of the movie, just when you think that they'll never get it together, oh god, they'll like each other again, and, and with loving each other, and things. It's happened a billion times. Once you realize this fact, you will see this in every single comedy movie ever. Just about. And I wonder why that is. Why does it have to always happen that way? I feel like I say this a lot lately, and that is that just because something's been done a million times does not necessarily mean that is a bad thing. It just means that for you to do the same thing that other people have done a million times and do it well is going to be, I think, more difficult. Mm, yeah. Or is it easier? Easier, uh, I don't know, is it more difficult? I think it's more difficult to do well, but easier to do in general? Mm, that's a thought. That's a thought. So, uh, the this group of people completing... Completing and competing in various tasks. Uh, I like about this movie that the tasks are completed using Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn in ways that none of the other groups can because their members are all young. And a little bit of the age and wisdom and experience comes into play. So it's a, it's a nice thought. Being in my 30-some-odd year, 32, 31, don't quite recall. Being 32, it's nice to know that uh, potentially someone of my age, 
can have knowledge passed down to someone of the younger 21-ish age. Huh? How about that? Something that this movie did very, very well is a sort of cast of oddballs and crazy people surrounding the usual goings-on. For example, I already mentioned Will Ferrell and John Goodman. However, also making an appearance is Mr. Rob Riggle, Rob Riggle, who plays a uh, wheeled... What the hell are those things called? <laughs> I work in the industry that sells them, too. For It's not a powerized wheelchair, but a powerized scooter. Yeah, like a scooter for older people or fatter people. You know, one of those things. So Vince Vaughn reaches a point in the movie, and I'm obviously not giving too, too much away story-wise so far, or ever, uh, reaches a point in the movie where he's kind of thought to himself, there's no way I can do this, do this, I should just give up. His giving up involves going to work for Rob Riggle, selling these uh, scooters to the elderly. <laughs> Rob Riggle in this, just some disgustingly hilarious lines. Uh, involving old people and sexual things that I don't want to get into for many reasons, uh, that I don't remember them because I've blocked them out of my memory, they were disgusting, and, uh, you know, just many, many reasons, let's say. Uh, other oddball-lish characters uh, in the form of, I had to write down his name, is uh, Asif Mondiv. He plays kind of the Dean. If this were a college movie, which it kind of very much has the feel of that, a college, summer camp, kind of kind of vibe to the whole thing. He is very, very good, too. The missus and me as well both loved how he said Google. Welcome to Google. In a very interesting pronunciation and a very, to me and to the missus, humorous pronunciation of the word Google and Googliness. <laughs> uh, which brings us... Googliness, that is, to the end of the movie. Uh, and something I'm glad they did, didn't quite say outright, but Google, one of their sort of mission goals, I don't know if this is still the case, but uh, I think it was in their sort of company mandate, was to not be evil. So the reason I like that is, you know, and I'm not giving anything away by saying the good guys are going to win, but part of the reason that the good guys won was because, unlike the bad guys, they were not evil. So uh, there's a little uh, lesson involved. Now, is it always the case that, especially, I think, especially, I think, in a business setting, that if you are, quote-unquote, not evil, you will prevail? Sadly, what the fuck, I'm just oozing cynicism, I feel, in this episode, and for that I apologize. Uh, sadly, no, I don't think it is always the case. I always try to aim for the don't-be-evil approach and have succeeded reasonably well. I think the only times in my current position where evilness has poked through is one in particular, and this was kind of an eye-for-an-eye situation, where uh, someone I worked with was complaining to the boss man about me. Uh, I knew they were doing this and had compiled over the months a list of things this person had done to drive me sane and things that were not good for the company and blah, 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 blah. It was quite a sizable list. So when this person continued and I gave them several 
quite a few, many, in fact, occasions to stop doing this. Uh, I just handed over my list, and, well, that person no longer works where I work. So that was a little on the evil side, but, uh, you know, had it coming? <laughs> oh, God, I feel bad for even saying that sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. I would have felt worse if I had to still work with this person. Let's put it in that perspective. Folks, speaking of being not evil, how do we end this podcast every time? By saying... It is nice to be nice to the nice. Oh, rating. I suppose I should throw a rating out, yeah? That's what we're here for. Not really, but why not? Uh, I'm going to go sort of a general three out of five for the generalness of it, but definite easy four out of five for some of the laughs generated. Some even five out of five laughs for sure. Quite quite a few funny funny moments. Okay, okay, folks. Once again, nice to be nice to nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper